Welcome to episode 36 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, anything? Yes, I have to show you this present that I got in the mail. It's so fucking funny. I so, can't wait to see this. Right when um, COVID hit, we had gone to PodFest. That was my birthday weekend. Yes. My birthday's March 6th. We went to, we were at PodFest. And so the following weekend, we were supposed to do a brunch. Our wonderful, fantastic, yes. generous friend Mary was going to send, was organizing a brunch for my birthday. Yes. I think it was like the Saturday after. It was the Saturday after. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, everything starts shutting down and people were nervous to leave. And I was like, listen, just shut up. We don't yes. need to do this. So um, one of the people that were invited and that were coming was Denise Horland, who yes. we know and love. She's a councilwoman. <gasps> yeah, she's yes. a councilwoman in Plantation, the city of Plantation. She's just... And she's a fan of the show. She's a fan of the show, but she's just an, a remarkable person who she's said, I'm going to run for the seat. And uh, I, I and admire her. And she's so helpful with other candidates running yes. and supportive. And yes. She's, she's really wonderful. She's wonderful. So uh, she's told me, she, she's like, I have this present for you. And I have to, she's, so she's finally like, I'm sending it. And I was like, okay, so I opened it. You're going to die. Hold on. So we talked about... Um, I'm a board member for an organization called the Dolphin Democrats and the Dolphin yes. Democrats have a gala every year. And so last year I wore like this fancy, I like jumpers, like a, like a one piece jumper with, with pants, pants. Yes. Right. And so she wore, I think a jumper and we're all like, that was like a whole bunch of us wore these uh, beautiful, you know, fancy jumpers. And so we kept talking about like, what are we going to wear to the next gala? Which of course has been canceled. I know, I'm very sad year. about that. And so sad. Yeah. So I told her like, oh, we should wear suits. You know, with like Ooh. different colored ties or whatever. So she sent me this present. Are you? You're gonna die. I can't wait till you see this wait. custom tie. <gasps> <laughs> oh my god! It's beautiful. It's my. It's like a million of my pictures. Yes, of my but face. they're like gorgeous pictures of you. There's. It's so. I love it so much. Could you imagine? It's you like have to, it's like oh my, my best god. filtered face pictures from Instagram. I love it. So, did you die? I fucking died. I showed it to my husband. He's like, how in the hell did somebody do that? I said, I don't know. It's crazy. I love it so much. I love it too. It made me so happy. And I, she was like, maybe you could wear this to the, to the next gala. Like, with yes. your suit. I was like, yeah, in case nobody knows who I am. Let's look at the tie. No, I love it. Oh I want to wear that tie. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to put a picture up on our um, Instagram yes. when this episode comes out. But oh yes, my God. Yes, I was like, yes. wait till Tina sees this tie. It's I hilarious love it <laughs> oh my god i know so beautiful fabric it's so good yes yeah what's not beautiful fabric though it can be nice fabric is masks however mm. um i have been having to wear a mask for several hours during the day now mm. you know i used to see those videos and it's not i'm not it, wearing it nearly as much as like a nurse or a doctor where you saw like the creased faces yeah however very painful at the end of each day. Hmm. Ears are painful. Okay. My eyes are pain. Everything is, is strained. And I just think from that constant pressure, mm. constant breathing in with this mask on is, it's not fun. Not fun. Well, you can exercise your rights and not wear it. Uh, I can't. I can't because I have to be, I will suffer yeah. because it's the right thing to do. But I was really surprised at how much my ears hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted just to mention... I wanted to mention uh, the post office. Yes. Because this is now, I think we're now two or three weeks ahead 
with our podcast. So this is going to come in, out. We're in the danger zone with the post office. Right. So today's the is August 16th. And like we're in the heat of it where now this is what um, our president is like hooked on is talking about vote by mail and this and that. Like I'm not an advocate for vote by mail. I know people like having the ballot. They consider it, you know, having something in case something goes wrong. Oh, they can a bring safety it in. Net. I get or if it. someone is sick. I get it. You know, or but something happens and they're... It's, it's not the way to vote, okay? I'm sorry. I've never liked it. I live in Broward County. Well, this things is always not a go wrong. We're, we're traumatized course. in Broward County. The one way you'll be for <laughs> sure know is if you go and do it in person. That's how I yes. feel. And I know that we're in the middle of a pandemic, but they are doing everything. I went in March and voted. I went in... Yes. I went last weekend and voted and... There was nobody else there. Like, there's literally nobody else there. Yeah. Well, where I went, there there were people, but it was it was very well organized. Yeah, and people it's were dis- spaced you keep distant. Yes. It's clean. It's it's clean. It's safe. So now that he's ramping up on this, which we knew he would, because oh. the Democratic Party for months has been like vote by mail, vote by mail. Vote. So he's this is what he's doing on purpose. Of course, he even um, said it. He said it. Yes, he has he said, said it. He said it in a in, recently a few days ago in a quote. Yeah, he said. That it's about just giving votes to people. Like, he actually said that. Right. And so, to me, I'm like, wait, where's the lawsuit? Like, he's well, that's he's admitting. But he's put somebody in power there, the postmaster that general that is just sitting there. He, I mean, I've gone days now in the last few weeks without getting mail. I'm, yeah. I, it's the, my mail has completely slowed down. So... This is what I want to say, because I know everybody's now talking about saving the post office. My mother worked no, in the post office the post and like office. retired from the post office. She worked there for over 20 years and like killed herself in the South Florida yes. sun and, and was able to keep a roof over her head from working for the post office. If you weren't concerned about the post office before this, you should have been. Yeah. It is an important service that of we course. have in this country. So instead of like buying stamps now, like use the post office. Yes. It's more than about voting now. It's it's always been about saving that institution. And I know everything's easier on email. Everything's easier to go through Amazon or set, whatever the way you're sending things. But you should be concerned about the post office before this. Right. Well, I also, I bought... Um I was out and I, I stopped and did some errands and I, I bought a little package of just like uh, blank note cards. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? No one sends handwritten notes anymore. I'm going to just start mailing people, you know, family that mm-hmm. I usually may send a text to or whatever, but just randomly to um, family members and stuff like, hey, how are you? Kind of just drop a line. And that's how I'm going to try. I'm, I'm trying to do like a weekly. Mm-hmm. Let me send something out to people kind of thing. Yeah. We I mean, it's a little it. bit, but it's something. And then when you're ordering things, you sometimes you have the option to use the postal service over like FedEx or UPS. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to opt for the USPS option. Yeah. Postal workers work very, very hard. Yes. And and they deserve to retire with dignity and with uh, money in the bank. And it's, it doesn't matter where you live, whether they're delivering in snow or the heat. They, they work very, very hard. Yes. And so we should be thinking about the post office all the time. Yes. And this, this is just another attack on another one of our inst- great institutions that we have to, you know. I mean, the, the fact that, that he basically said that this is all about yeah the election season is just, I, I said, this is so cavalier. Yeah. And I, I, was, I understand even having the your ballot as an insurance policy. Here's the thing. If you're not a, like a keeping up to date because people are busy, et cetera, et cetera. Now they've got this thing because they felt like, well, I was doing the right thing. Then they forget it's on the table underneath yes. things. If you lose it, like it's well, just how so about how about the thing scary. of like they have forgotten to sign the back? Yes. And now there's 
thousands and thousands of these vote by and this yes, is Broward. I know. Um that this is what I signed. mean. Can we yes. stop this, please? Yeah. And I couldn't believe that this year the Democratic Party was pushing it again after what happened here in 2018. Yeah. It was such a goddamn was a shit mess. show. And it I kept thinking, who the fuck votes by mail? And here we are. Now, I understand what you're saying. If someone's sick, if someone's out of town, okay. If you are here and able to go for two weeks to go vote early yes. or go on election day, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it's what really, are you doing? And I have to say, even even um, prior to COVID, I always early vote. Um, I I yes. rarely ever vote on election day. I just I like. Well, to I'm go. an election day person, yeah. but I will. I've been going early just this yes. last two times. I like to go early just because I'm like, boom, I'm gonna get done. I don't have to wait in the long lines, and I yeah. can kind of enjoy election day and yeah. like watch. I like to watch everything yeah. and with work and getting whatever. Yeah. Um, and I've never had a problem early voting. Early voting has always been yes very efficient. It's never crowded. Um, it's always been a go-to option for me. And you have two weeks to do it, they, you know, and so there's got to be some little wiggle room to yeah. be able to go and vote. And really what they should do is for election day, employers should permit their employees to go vote because that's like mm. one thing where people sometimes maybe they – can't make it to early voting or the, whatever the schedule doesn't work for them. And then they're working on election day and they can't get to it. So I but, feel like there should be, uh, well, or make it a national holiday or something. So well, that yeah, people are sure. given the opportunity to vote. Mm. Oh, I hate all of this. Um, I, and the numbers need to be, I, you know, I was talking to a relative the other day who um, said, Oh yeah, you know, so-and-so another relative might be just uh, my likes to do those write in ballots for fun and just, you know, throw a stupid name down. And that's what this person had done in the 2016 election. And <laughs> so I'm like, funny. I don't understand what's funny. Like, it's a waste of your time. Asshole. And it's a waste of everybody else's I'm time. Sorry. I don't mean to call somebody you would love an asshole, but that's shitty. It's, 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 it's no, it's fine. And I, I just, I don't understand it. Like, don't sit and pretend because I said that then is your, uh, you're giving a vote to the other side. Yes. Because we need sweeping numbers. I had family members vote third party in that 2016 presidential election. Oh, and I God. almost, and I, that is what I focused on when those numbers were rolling in. I kept refreshing Florida and seeing the third party numbers come in. And I'm like, who in the fuck? There was, that was the difference, by the way. Yes. That was the, and listen, vote for who you want, but are you fuck? Now look at, look now, at now what's look. happened these four the same years. Thing, well, the same thing coming back to Florida <laughs> yeah. in the Gore Bush election. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people voted for Nader. Do you remember? Oh, he was the God. Green Party candidate. Oh, my God. And, um, <laughs> The thing is, like, yeah, maybe there were some really great ideas, but unfortunately, we are stuck. Yeah, we are stuck in a in a two party well, system. P.S. We're stuck, and the same thing happened that those votes that went to Nader probably would have went yeah. to Gore, and then there was this contested. We were in this mess. Well, Tina, we are not talking about one of the most amazing things that happened this week was Kamala Harris has been oh picked for the VP. We were both over the fucking moon. Oh my God. I don't know. I am finally I like, excited yes. about this campaign. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, now I'm like, oh, Biden's running for yes. president. I want a t-shirt that just says MVP on it. Like that's all <laughs> yeah. I want. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes. So I know people have their problems with her, but again, that's what made me, reminded me that this happened is because this is not the time to be discussing our downfalls like let's elect yeah, listen, this ticket and then we will is, hold them accountable but this yeah, is not I, an well, option I had, well i had i had someone text me saying well how do you feel about this you know this could possibly be a presidential nominee i said i'm fine with it let's go i'm fine i'm 100 percent on board like we yeah. there, there's no room 
for these conversations because look at what we have. <laughs> well, there's, and it's not, we're not in that place anymore. You used to be able to have, these, we don't have like, the luxury. It, yes. These wonderful, intelligent conversations about which candidate is better. Da, 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 da. Oh, I like this person better for VP. I don't even want to hear it. No, it's over. We've got a madman in the white house. Yes. A fucking madman. Yes. So there's no other options. Swallow oh the bitter pill and fucking vote. Please shut the fuck up about it. Yes. Just shut up. That's it. Yes. That's it. That's the, just, I'm going to say shut up and vote. That's it. Shut up and vote. Nobody cares. Yes. And we'll do it to that, that shut up and dance. And soon. if you have the, the opportunity, if you have the luxury of complaining about the VP candidate, then your life is way too good. Yeah. That's because the that thing. means you're not being affected by him or his atrocious policies at all. I, I which I, I can't even imagine being part of a group that isn't affected by this guy. Yeah. Mm. Oh, by super, the way, yeah. speaking of vote by mail, this week, <laughs> super rich white people. one of his, um, one of his representatives went, to, he's, he's a resident of Palm Beach County in yes. Florida. And one of his representatives went to the, um, the supervisor of elections in Palm Beach County and got his vote by yes. mail. So, and yes. for his wife. So yeah. please, please. I know. Give me a break. Don't see through the bullshit. Yeah. Maybe his, maybe his vote by mail will get lost in the mail. That'd be nice. Oh my God. That would be just... Yes. Really funny and great. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. Oh, oh, wait. Before I go on, the other thing that made me laugh this week with our governor, um, DeSantis, the stupid mm-hmm. disaster. Um, asshole. Yeah. He was talking about um, money and COVID going to like mental health. I don't know why this. I just I, I, I happened to see a clip of him and I said, well, this guy is just so stupid. He kept saying the big enchilada. And it's like the whole enchilada. And I, I don't know. I was like listening to him talk. I'm like, he doesn't even know like the proper, you know, idiom or phrases. He's just, he and Marco Rubio with the football. Like, I am. Oh my God. I'm like, uh, I'm like, we have so many other things to worry about. And you want to talk about people playing football. Can you imagine? I, I'm like, what state are we in? The we really need to watch football. We yeah. really need to. That sounds and, and nice. Then he has, and then he has but no reason. Kids. He's these like, are kids. But, but he said, like, you know, the kids, they don't really, the, the COVID doesn't affect them. It's like they're what? playing contact Again. sports. Again, we're talking about this. There's been so more kids seen in Broward County at, at the hospital for COVID in the last, I think they said month, than than the entire time. So keep yes. talking about how it doesn't affect kids. Yes. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Well, and they don't know the long term effect on yes. on children because they're saying now that like even like the the um, Center for Heart Disease, they're coming out saying that there's something about COVID that affects the heart in a certain way, mm. and the like. There's some other issue that we don't know five years from now on people's organs who have had COVID what the effect is going to be. We don't know on kids. And I just, all of these cavalier attitudes are just, it's, it's frightening and it's yeah. horrible. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. I just, it just Ugh. came to my mind. Um, I guess that's it. Yes. I, I, I don't know. I know we're ranting. We have some really good, and I, I you know, it's so weird cause I'm trying to think of like where this podcast will land with little muck, but it's going to come after a really good little muck that we did with uh, Emma Cullum. She yes. came on and talked about the, the primary in August, which is amazing. Yes. Then we have two other really amazing guests that we booked that I'm so freaking excited about. 
um, that I'm not going to mention yet. Yes. But I'm so excited about what's happening with Little Muck. So I hope you all are listening to those. Yes. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Joshua Rydell, who um, yes. now it's after the election. So it's, well, we're we before, don't know. Yeah, we're we don't before, know. Right now we're recording two days before the primary, but this is coming out after the primary. So I don't know if he wins the primary. Either way, he's an amazing guy. He's running for, he was running for Broward County State Attorney. Yes. I don't know if he wins or not, but uh, he's a really great uh fan and shouts out our podcast all the time so thank you joshua he said that it's a perfect amount of time to drive from his house to downtown like he can listen to the podcast yay all right so let's go let's do it okay so today i'm gonna tell you the story of sam thomas burnett Mm. of tennessee so sam or rather tommy as he's known burnett served as a tennessee house state rep beginning in 1970 But when the feds cracked down on an illegal bingo operation, Burnett's number turned up. (laughs) First of all, (laughs) bingo is the best game. I I love bingo more than anything in the whole world. Do you really? I think we can do a Zoom bingo. (gasps) I have the thing. Oh, a friend you have of mine, the... yes, my friend Kristen got us as like a family gift the bingo ball, like like turner. Um, Then do you do all like the the you know um, the code words for the numbers? Yes. So when I grew up, we didn't play bingo. We played, but it's the Italian mm. version yes, yes. called Tombola, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And um, I used to love the way that, because certain of the numbers, because everything is very superstitious in Italian culture. So like some of the numbers would be tied to these uh, different things and um, different family members, the way they would read it. And my cousin was always really good at uh, doing my family's town is from a town called Pajan, and so the Pajantran accent, and it, we would all die as kids. So I, that's how <laughs> I played. I never played. I mean, I played bingo like in school, but we always played tombola, which is similar, basically, basically the same. And it was we played around like Thanksgiving time every nice. year. Nice tombola bingo. So you'll like this story. Yes. Well, I'm excited. All right. So the story takes place in Tennessee, and we've talked about Tennessee before mm. in here. I just think of you know the Grand Old Opry. Like yeah. that's pretty much all I think. Love of. Nashville. Love it. And that I didn't realize that that Grand Old Opry show like has been on the radio since 1925 and still airs like every week. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So I want to dive into this guy. So according to an article in the Memphis Daily News by Shelzig, from the beginning, Burnett stood out as a politician who was notable for his command of language. He was, Mm. again, one of these guys that was really just a great speaker mm-hmm. and had this eloquence and just could command a room. And Shelzig further notes that according to um, a former Senator, Charlotte Burks, Burnett could quote, oh, Charlotte Burks. Didn't I do her husband being murdered? Was it Charlotte Burks's husband who I did? I didn't check into her. Oh, so possibly, ahead, possibly, talking. possibly. I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. Maybe look it up. Look all it right, up. Right. So, uh, but according to her, Burnett could talk a bird out of a tree. So that's how convincing (laughs) this guy was. And the article also describes Burnett as a guy who had his hands in everything. He put together multiple bills, problem solver. He was just this go, 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 go kind of guy. Yeah. But he did everything, like all kinds of different jobs. And in the New York Times article, a Burnett supporter noted, quote, he once preached a wedding in the morning and then turned around and sold the guest pocket knives out of the trunk of his car. He can sell anything to anyone. Oh my god! Like this is this guy. Like he just yeah. had a way. So wait, so, wait, P.S. So Charlotte Burks, yeah, her husband, Tommy Burks was killed by Byron Looper. Byron oh, Lotax yes, Looper. Yes, Lotax so Charlotte Looper. Burks, remember she ran for her husband's seat? Yes. yes. That's her. Okay, so this is maybe when she's in that seat. Yeah, 
That's okay. amazing. It's, just, it's all coming full circle. <laughs> so in, in addition to his flair with words, he had a flair for style as well. And he was known for wearing like these bright red suspenders everywhere. Uh, so this like is this that. guy. Yeah. All right. So he loomed kind of large. All right. So some of um, his accomplishments, he served as the House Democratic leader. Um, he worked on nursing home reforms, um, seatbelt mandates. And mm. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot there was a time where like yeah. they had to fight to make sure people buckled up, you know. Yeah. So um, he started a huge flea market that brought in revenue. So this was stuff that he did. Um, but. Burnett was in trouble two separate times. Okay. And the first time was in 1983. He gets arrested and is convicted of tax evasion. And according to the Knoxville News Sentinel, he knowingly did not fill out tax returns for three years. He's mm. just like, oh, I'm not, not going to pay taxes. Must mm. be nice, but doesn't do it. And after pleading guilty, he, he was sentenced to 18 months in jail, but he only served five. And guess how he passed the time? Playing bingo? No. no. <laughs> Running for re-election. Oh, my gosh. And the Times further revealed that because he pleaded to a misdemeanor and not a felony conviction, he could still run and he could still hold his seat. So he's sitting oh, in jail. Oh, my gosh. Still holding his seat, right? Ugh. He didn't give up as his state rep seat. Runs for re-election, but... Because he was in jail, he couldn't run a long-distance campaign because you got to kind of, like, be in your area. So he has his son take over. So his son is like, you know, stumping around and, and, and doing all the talks and the rallies and, yeah. and all of this on the campaign trail. <laughs> and the article highlighted that him being in jail only bolstered his oh approval. My, I was going to say, I would be like, where's your dad? Yeah. Oh, he's in jail. No, uh, no. People, what? people loved it. They were like, no, no tax evasion. Everybody cheats on their taxes. This isn't oh, a big deal. Oh my God. <laughs> So they actually thought that he was being deliberately persecuted and it garnered him more sympathy. And so he ends up, yeah, the votes confirmed it. Like he ends up winning this election while sitting in jail and was like, yeah. So he's, he actually uh, was the only person in Tennessee history to be elected while still in prison. Oh. So uh, things seem fine for him, but a leopard doesn't change its spots. Mm -hmm. And in 1990, Burnett, along with 50 other legislators, got caught up in what's known as Operation Rocky Top. Rocky Top, <laughs> Tennessee. So um, what did he do? So in 1990, he got arrested for his role in a bingo scam. Mm. And I really, I never realized that bingo could be a racket. Anything can be a racket. And I'm like, bingo, wait, what? Like, I just, feel, you know, it's like, I just always imagine like old ladies in the bingo hall, you know, these criminal I, people who have criminal minds, everything can everything's be turned a racket. into a crime. <laughs> and it's gambling. So there yes, you go. Yes, it is. Yeah. So a New York Times article on the scandal reported that those involved in was over 50 people. So he's just one of like the legislators involved. I'm going to talk about two others like very briefly. But the people involved skimmed cash. They created fake charity charters. And ultimately, like the state took in like $31 million like during the scam. Mm. and the money is supposed to go so I guess in order to like say you have um you know your your son's soccer team and you want to do a bingo game for charity for the team you have to be able to get a charter in order to run like a gambling thing right in order to collect that money because it's still gambling if gambling is illegal then yes. you have to have like this permission to be able to do it and there's all these things that you have to be able to do for well, like churches and these other organizations right. well we when I was on the the like the PTA at my my kid's school, 
I wanted to do a bingo night for the family. Like I thought this could make a lot of money because my sister-in-law told me all the things that they did at their school. And I was like, God damn, how'd they make all the money? So I brought it to the PTA and they were like, no, it's gambling. And I'm like, what the fuck? So then my sister-in-law told me that instead of winning money as a prize, they won like each class put a basket together. Yes, that's how my son's school does it. That's how you avoid. Mm -hmm. Okay. Instead of giving money, you can do bingo that way. Yeah, you or you could do, do a raffle for like those baskets. Yes, so yes. you don't have to do the charter, you know, they yes. don't consider that gambling. Yes. Mm. But these guys wanted cash. Yeah, of course. They don't want a <laughs> so, basket full of uh, beach toys. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have to say, though, at my son's, at uh, their school, some of those baskets, Girl! it's like filled with like lotto tickets. It's like, oh. uh, there's one basket that's just like all of these lotto tickets and the tickets like, oh, it's one buck to buy the raffle yeah, yeah. tickets. So I'm like, all right, this is our plan. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to stack the good ones with mm-hmm. a ton of tickets. Yes. I never were. I never win. Well, let me tell you something. I never. We win. went to a fundraiser <laughs> that they had last year at the kids' school, and they had all these baskets. Yeah, someone filled with cash. Yeah, like a money tree. I was like, I know, damn, right? I know. <laughs> we bought all these tickets. Well, actually, we won the tickets. It was like a, a casino night, so we won a ton of tickets. The guy taught me how to play craps. The guy who was play, who was the dealer or whatever. Oh, he's like, this is what you do. This was you. I won like six hundred dollars. In raffle, like, um, whatever. Dang. Uh, I need chips. to come to this. I need yeah. to come to this event. And I was able to get, like, all of these raffles. Then you buy the raffle tickets and you yes. put the, with that, with the chips. Okay. We started stacking and we won the one that I wanted. It was two full baskets of board games. Family, like, board games. Like, ten board games we came home with. That's so... Oh, oh that's so, so fun. so fucking exciting. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, yeah, we never went... and. And my one son and I, we're always like, what's the strategy? How do we put these tickets in so we can, (laughs) we never win, but maybe next year. Well, I don't even know if they'll do anything like this. No, it's over. Oh my God. Bye. (gasps) Thanks COVID. Yeah. Thanks COVID. All right. So as far as Burnett, he filed false documents to get permits and he profited personally from what was supposed to be a nonprofit charity under the name of the Columbia Scholarship Fund. So additionally, according to court appeal documents, Burnett was the one who sought out the enterprise and wanted to get in on the game. Mm. No pun intended. <laughs> so he, um, you know, there were several of these going on, but he kind of hurt, got wind of it and was like, how do I get in on this thing? And the other thing that he did is he reached out to a former inmate. So mm-hmm. when he was in jail that first time, he had met some guy and named Joseph Capello, and he wanted to get some cash to invest in the operation and the guy agrees, so he gets the money. I think he sent him like five or six checks in the mail. Mm. And because this was towards this fraudulent operation, now mail he's fraud. got mail fraud charges on him as well. And so the funny thing is, is though that he, he used that money, but he didn't use all of it for the bingo operation. He's used some of that guy's money. He got $48,000 from this guy, and he used some of it to pay uh, his taxes with. So I'm like, I don't know what it is with Burnett that he doesn't want to pay his taxes, but he used this yeah. size money. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of funny. Like that, you know, he still, you know, yes. doesn't want to pay those taxes. <laughs> so how did things go down? So basically the FBI starts sniffing around after a newspaper article. So a newspaper wrote an article about these bingo games. Mm. The FBI gets wind of it and starts looking into things and there is a guy who was like the kind of like a bingo lobbyist for bingo operators named a walker and so they get him to become an informant because Mm. they're like we got you right and so now you're going to work for us if you don't want to like be completely destroyed in jail right and so 
he starts taping conversations. Oh, boy. And Walker pled guilty. He made the deal. He still had to serve um, some some jail time. Mm-hmm. But it, the, the charges, I guess, weren't as much as they could have been because, like, he was working with them now. So, um, like I said, they helped others get fake charters. And those things vary from state to state, like what qualifies, like what you need to do. And according to a Williams and O'Hara's Tennessean article, what they would do to get the charter is they would rent a real charity's name Mm. to get the charter. And only a tiny percentage of the revenue would go to the actual charity and they would keep the rest of the money. Damn. They would also make fake charities. Mm. And they did this by reinstating charters from charities that no longer existed. So say there was a charity now that charity's gone under, it doesn't exist. They would use that as a way to like get the charter. And another method was like vulture capitalism or something. They would go into a real but small organization, right? And they would sign up their people as members of this club. Then they would get on the voting board and they would vote like we want to do bingo. And they would take over. I mean, it's uh, so or- much work. Yes. Just get a job or something. I know. <laughs> so, and that's the way that they did it. So it was a pretty calculated scam. Like, yes. like it was, had all of this methodology. And I'm like, this is bingo. It's wild. They're like, where can we put, yes. you know, these bingo operations wow. and these fronts? So. There is big money in bingo. Yes. I'm telling you. Yes. So, but Walker also revealed how the bingo um, there were these partnerships that were being formed in secret between elected officials and the bingo operators to funnel money back to the legislators for like election campaigns Whoa! and things like that. So a Tennessean article noted that this group was known as, quote, the association. <sighs> and they paid thousands monthly to keep the games going. And some operators even had to pay protection money to be able to like still keep what they're doing. They're like, oh, we know that you're doing this. Like you're going to like help us out. And like, this was the thing that was going on. Wow. So um, I have a lot of sources in the notes. So you can go do a deeper dive into, you know, all the other people involved. And um, the thing that I found interesting though, is that a lot of people, even some of the elected officials involved had this, so what kind of attitude, like it's bingo, it's no big deal. Mm. Like it's, you know, yes. but it, it was a pretty big scandal and crime. And the people playing are thinking, oh, I'm going to this charity event. Yes. The money's going to this thing. Yes. And meanwhile, it's going somewhere else. And so it's lining people's pockets and the FBI comes in, subpoenas, they sit, and that's where they start finding out everything. So Walker, though, wasn't the only informant. Then Tennessee Senator and now Lieutenant Governor of Tennessee, Randy McNally, also went undercover for three years. So things that differ for McNally, though, is McNally wasn't involved. He got approached Mm. and he was like, this is kind of weird. And so he reported it and they're like, you want to go undercover and get us more info? And so then he went undercover. (laughs) Nice. And so. A good guy, finally. Yes. And so he wasn't really embroiled in things. So um, prior to. Um, I guess what happened is that Walker, the one informant, offered $10,000 to McNally as a bribe in exchange for a vote to legalize horse betting. So that's the things that they would do, right? They would would offer bribes to try to get different things going, and some of these electeds were taking the money. Oh, my God. So um, It's so insane. It's crazy. So according to Knox News, the FBI also sent in an undercover agent to get the deets, too. So they had a separate FBI guy. Um, and in this Sheboygan article, um, 
It further notes that the agent went undercover as a financial consultant out of Atlanta named Ken Wilson. And so um, he was there too. So they have their own FBI undercover guy and they have two informants working and they get all of this info on people. So Burnett was um, found to have been selling charters to people as high as $10,000 for a charter. He denied this. Um, but he did say he didn't see an issue with reinstating carter, uh, charters. He said, according to the Tennessean, quote, I see nothing wrong with me asking a church or any organization if they're not going to use their charter to let me have the charter to use as a vehicle to play bingo. Mm. So that's what they would do. Oh, you're not using this. Can can we rent it from you? Can we have it from right. you? Can we, you know, and right. then they set up their operation. Right. The church doesn't really know exactly what's not, going on. Exactly. They're, yeah. They don't know. And if this guy's an elected you know, yeah, they're, what, it doesn't seem like they would be something. They're doing so slimy. Yeah. yeah. So the charges, he was found guilty of nine felony offenses, including conspiracy to engage in illegal gambling, illegal gambling, aiding and abetting and mail fraud. So in 1991, he was sentenced to five years in prison and he served 18 months. He paid $48,000 in restitution to Capello, the guy that he was in jail with and he took that money from the mm. former inmate <laughs> and he also lost his law license. Mm. So some points of interest in 2003, his law license is reinstated Ugh. because of course, I mean, that's just what it is. His role though in this, along with other Dems. So this was a, it was like all of these Democrats were involved, mm-hmm. uh, opened the door to um, Republican power in the house. Like, cause they like turned around and used this and the, the, McNally and other people and who was undercover were, was a Republican. Mm. And so, um, according to his obituary, Burnett became a radio host, a car salesman, and even worked as a lobbyist for the Ingram group after, wow. uh, he got out of jail. So a lot of these guys with the radio shows, yeah, yeah. these personalities, <laughs> um, I said that Walker served his jail times. And the other thing that was, uh, really tragic and interesting is that um, you know, Burnett, remember, there were like 50 people involved with this. Mm-hmm. And along with him, there were these two other electeds, and, and they both committed suicide Oh no! Uh, because of this. Uh, Representative Ted Ray Miller, he served nine consecutive terms, and he was about to be indicted for bribery to the tune of $30,000. Um, and he, one of the, one of the bribes had to do with um, blocking legislation or passing legislation, sorry, to block a garbage incinerator that the county wanted. And so he got bribed to like block that and all of this, it just really shows how much power, yeah. you know, a single rep can have. Yeah. Because, and then if you're going to fee- and, and, and like there's money involved. Yeah. And that temptation of bribery and money and how mm. it just holds sway over people. It's yeah. just, it's really incredible. And he allegedly left two notes and one of the notes was taking back his resignation. So he had resigned and in his note, he says, I'm, I'm taking back my resignation and it reminds me of the Bud Dwyer yes, story in episode two to ensure mm-hmm. that his wife gets yeah. the benefits after his death. Did that happen? That part I don't know, mm-hmm. but that, but they did note that that's that they thought that that's the reason that he was putting in like I right. no longer resign. Right. And then a few months later, then Secretary of State for Tennessee Gentry Crowell committed suicide as well. He was actually he was on life support for several days, and um, Jesus, yeah, it was terrible. And according to an AP article, the feds allegedly told him they were not going to indict him. Um, they just wanted info, and he did testify. And But a lot of people around him were getting indicted. And so um, 
Another AP article even noted that he was given immunity for information, Mm -hmm. but that they didn't realize like maybe how severe and depressed and all of this um, got to him. So I just wanted to make sure, because I mentioned that, that if you or someone you know who is in distress or feeling hopeless, there are people out there who can help and offer ways to help you open up and talk about issues that you may be confronting. And the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. I just wanted to include those stories because I was shocked when I saw that that was a other part of the fallout for That's this. That's incredible. Um, thing because it's, you know, people's reputation, you know, all of this yes. stuff and it's terrible. Um, it, was, it was just a sort of shocking element to that story as well to Operation Rocky Top. Mm. So that's the story of Tennessee House Rep and Crook Tommy Burnett and Operation Rocky Top. Nice. Okay. Okay. So I have been really excited to do this story. And then I did those two, like that to be yes. continued. Yes. So this was the one, this was the second story I was going to do, uh, but I ended up pushing it to this week. So I am going to talk about former governor of Florida. <gasps> <laughs> Napoleon B. Broward. What? Yes. Broward County's namesake? Broward County's namesake. Uh, Now listen to me. I don't know anything about him. Oh, honey. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. So I love living in Broward County. It's a wild and bizarre fucking place. It is. Politically, it's the fucking bonkers world. Yes. But it's very blue. And so we live in the South Florida, like Palm Beach down through Miami-Dade, Broward's right in between. It's a very yes. blue area, thank the Lord. Yes. And so we always get caught up in the elections, like, oh, everything's looking really good. And then all the results across the yes. state come in and you get bombarded with, yes. oh, that's right, we don't live in a blue state. Yeah, right? no, no, we but, live in it. Ugh. I know, it's a, it's a red zone, but it's like... It's the South. It is. In the South. But at least in Broward, you know, I, lo- I, I, I just say Broward, Broward, I just, it's home. You know, Broward County is home for us. Yes. And uh, we talk about it a lot on the podcast and we do stories from all over the country, but Broward is home for us. So I thought, why not talk about this guy? So let's get into it. Okay. Yes. So oh my God. Napoleon Broward was born Napoleon. in- Napoleon. <laughs> Sorry. It's my favorite part. My God. <laughs> uh, every time I say Napoleon, for some reason, you know what pops in my head is the movie, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh. And the little guy <laughs> yes. in the movie is like, he doesn't yes. say much, but he's just like, it's uh, just so funny. Okay. Um, the little big man complex. Yes. Yes. So he was born in Duval County, Florida in 1857. Duval County is the north, uh, northeast side of uh, Florida. It's yes. like right up there at the end uh, in Jacksonville. So um, Broward's parents were American and he had French heritage, you know, from his father's side. Hence, 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 the, hence the name. name. <laughs> um, his, childhood, his childhood was spent uh, on a series of family farms along the St. John's River in Jacksonville. During the Civil War, the original family farm was burned by Union troops who occupied the town. Have you ever been to the St. John's River or like the St. St. John's? It's so beautiful. Yes. Oh, God. It's been a very, 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 very long time. Yeah, it's so beautiful up there. Um, after the war, the Browards had a tough time recovering and both of his parents died when he was 12 years old. Oh. I can't find how I'm imagining yeah. something sickness cause they both died yes. at the same time, but I'm not really sure. It doesn't really, I couldn't find anything of, of how, um, so he had a brother and so he tended the family farm with his, uh, with his brother for a few years before moving into the city with their uncle. So 
Uh, Broward's first work worked on the river with his uncle doing odd jobs on his uncle's steamboat during the summer. In 1876, after he graduated high school, Broward became a ship's mate and traveled to New England. He stayed in that region for two years working on ships along the New England coast. After gaining this experience, he returned to Jacksonville in 1878 and took a job working on tugboats on the St. John's River. He got to know many of the captains in shipping operations. Broward married his captain's daughter, Georgina Carolina Kemp, in January of 1883. That spring, he applied for a license to pilot ships over the St. John's Bar, a Mm. constantly shifting sandbar that stretched across the mouth of the St. John's River, sometimes above water and sometimes many feet below. Piloting ships over the treacherous bar was quite lucrative. Broward seemed destined for a life of comfort until his wife died during childbirth. Oh, goodness. Followed by the death of, the death of their infant son a few days oh, later. Oh, no. I know. It's a fucking bummer. Uh, he withdrew. Oh, no. So, uh, well, maybe because the mom isn't there and if they're by them. I, I'm just trying to think of sort I of think so. early time. Right, right. Um, you know, if he's the on nurse. a farm or where, yeah, the, there's no one nursing. right. right. Goodness. I know. He withdrew from the river for, for a while and again traveled north. By, na- by 1885, he was back on the St. John's River piloting his father-in-law's steamboat, Kate Spencer, called Kate Spencer. While working on the ship, he met Annie Isabel Douglas, a frequent passenger. They were married in 1887, and they had nine children Dang, together. Dang, that poor woman. Oh, my God. Could you oh imagine? Oh, my God. I can't. Uh, my grandmother had eight. Oh, my God. I know. I'm like, it's how does the much. body even handle that? No. Get sit. <laughs> oh, okay. dear God. I know. Okay. Broward uh, established his reputation as a good pilot and captain. In January 1888, a major prison break disgraced the city sheriff, and he was removed from office. We're talking Ooh. about Jacksonville. Ooh. Mm-hmm. The county Democratic leadership. Now, when we say Democrat, we all know what we're talking about. Yes. Southern Democrats, Southern Democrats, right? Yeah, this is before. Yeah. The Southern Democratic leadership got together to nominate a new sheriff and quickly settled on Broward as the best man for the job. The governor appointed him to the post on February 27th, um, or I'm sorry, 1888. (laughs) In less than a month, Broward gained statewide notoriety for breaking up gambling operations in the city. Maybe bingo. We don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I was just thinking if he... I don't know why Broward for Broward Sheriff. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking that too. <laughs> so, so funny. Because how's his first political position yeah. sheriff and we can't get a fucking Broward Sheriff here <laughs> worth a, worth a shit. Oh my I God. Know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know there's an election going on. Yes. So sorry. Well, it'll be, well. <laughs> All right. It'll be, it might be over by the time yes. this happens. Oh God. Oh, that's another race. I'm just like, I know what's going to What's going to happen? Okay, sorry, sorry. Um, That's okay. Broward soon took an active part in city politics. In early the 1890s, the Democratic Party in Florida was undergoing some internal strife. Two factions developed in Jacksonville that eventually became the major statewide camps, the Antis and the Straight Outs. I love these little things that pop up, right? The Antis were conservative and pro-business, where the Straight Outs were allied with populists. Broward joined the Straight Out camp. Now, when I looked up Straight Out, the only real, like, giving you an idea of what this party is about is this one little thing that, had, well, this one part that had happened. So in 1876 gubernatorial election in South Carolina, the straight out Democrats were an activist faction that succeeded in taking control of the party. They sometimes wore red shirts to show their support for the paramilitary white supremacist groups known as red shirts who used violence with the threat of violence to prevent blacks from voting. Oh my God. So this is who the straight outs are. Okay. And that's Jesus. what he's aligning with. So let's give you, giving you a little okay, bit of so, a so heads up here. This is within 
the Southern Democrat. Yes. Democrat group. Yeah. These two factions form within that group. Yes. Okay. So, so he's part of this group that's like aligning with white supremacists. Yeah. And and now we're living in the county named after him. Yes. Maybe so, we can have the county name changed. Well, let's talk. We're going to talk <laughs> about that. We are going to address that. So oh, the Democratic God. Party struggled to regain power in state legislatures. Uh, in the election of 1892, the straight outs under Broward's leadership swept swept the city offices. Broward's close friends John N. C. Stockton and John M. Bars uh, became city attorney and councilman, respectively, while Broward retained the sheriff's office. The antis continued to struggle for power, for t- but two years later, the split between the two camps was more severe. Antis and straight outs accused each other of voter fraud, complaining to the Secretary oh, of State and God. the governor. It just never ends, no, the no, no. story of voter fraud. No, never. It's like the thing that everybody has in their yeah. back pocket. God. Anti-sympathizers held most of the state offices and the antis won out. Uh, Broward was replaced by a new appointee when the antis regained power in the city. So he's out, right? Like he's the, yeah. the antis come up and he's taken out. So in 1885, Broward, his brother, and an associate began building a new steamboat called the Three Friends. On, uh, on They were building it on Fort George Island, which is in the Jacksonville area. Yeah. During the construction, Cuban insurgents began fighting for independence from Spain. Okay. Broward was approached by a prominent member of Jacksonville's Cuban community about shipping a load of ammunitions and some Cuban ex- expatriates from Nassau to Cuba. Wow. Broward agreed... <laughs> And in January 1896, the three friends, the boat, shipped out of Jacksonville on her maiden voyage bound for Cuba. Wow. What a maiden voyage that is. Yeah, right? Dear God. (laughs) Broward continued this operation until President William McKinley declared war on Spain. Now he, you know what I mean? He can't really get involved. Several times he was nearly caught and destroyed by Spanish gunboats. My God. Aware of Broward's... And his little tugboat? Yeah. (laughs) That's why he was sneaking around, bro. Sneaking. Aware of Broward's identity, the Spanish ambassador to the United States demanded the American be stopped and his ship be impounded. Um, Because he's helping the Cubans. (laughs) It's so funny. U.S. authorities tried to catch him, but Broward eluded them by loading the three friends under cover of darkness in secluded locations, hiding her behind larger ships as she left the St. John's Bay, uh, St. John's River, and picking up Cubans and ammunition from other ships at various points near the mouth of the river. Wow. Except when trying to evade capture, Broward never pretended not to be engaged in unauthorized military actions. He gained notoriety around the state for his daring deeds. Oh, God. So in 1896, the straight outs, uh, that little faction of the party, offered to nominate Broward for sheriff, but he was busy with his Cuba operation. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of work. He's he's smuggling smuggling people and and weapons. My God. In 1900. The the love that this is our namesake of this county. It gets so much better. It gets so much better. Um, In 1900, the war ended and his Cuban mission days were over. Broward accepted the Democratic nomination for the state house and was elected almost without opposition so now he's a state house rep yeah wow yeah in the house broward supported many progressive initiatives including a state dispensary bill which from what i can tell is like um prescriptions okay okay um and a law allowing insanity as grounds for divorce at the request of the powerful developer henry flagler okay so that was interesting to me insanity yeah Uh, like oh my wife is crazy yeah, so that oh, was... Oh, that's so part of that, that whole hysteria guy, and, yes. and... Okay. And Henry Flagler, if you're not aware, he's the founder of, I believe, Standard Oil, and he founded the Florida or the East Coast Railroad. 
Uh, he's a huge big developer, down huge here. developer down yeah. here in Florida, originally from Ohio and all the way from, you know, all through, through Florida, but definitely all the way down to the keys. Like he's a huge, big money railroads guy here, yeah. which Florida needed because nobody was living here. Right. Like nobody could get here. Yeah. And but the other thing that was sort of bad with that is when they did all the, the dredging and the canals and like, the, you know, that completely destroyed the ecosystem yes. down here that we're still now dealing yes. with the, the yes. ramifications of that. So he, uh, he was very wealthy and he was, it was very powerful. He, he really had a lot of power in government. He really kind of handpicked seats. I mean, he was oh a God. really wealthy guy. So the fact that he requested that this law be made, I was like, why would he specifically? So I looked him up and okay, was like, he wants to get rid of his wife. He wants to get rid of somebody. Right. So I was like, let me look this up. So here's this little side story. Oh which my I thought God. Was really I, great. I, I'm so curious. So Henry Flagler's second wife, um, Ida Alice Schrodes, 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 I think that I don't know how to pronounce it, was declared insane by Flagler's friend, Dr. Anderson in, in 1896 and was institutionalized on and off starting that year. At the same time, he began to have an affair with Mary Lily, Lily Keenan. Okay, so he put his wife in a fucking mental institution. Yes. In and that's when they were doing all kinds yes. of... Doesn't this remind you also of like Grover Cleveland yes. and how that woman had the baby, you know, oh someone had the God. baby and he put her in the institution yes. saying she's crazy and the doctors were like, she's not crazy. Okay. And You're 19- the one who's crazy. <laughs> and sorry. sorry. <laughs> in 1901, Flagler bribed the Florida legislature and the governor at the time to pass a law that made incurable insanity grounds for divorce, <laughs> opening the way for Flagler to remarry. Flagler oh, was the only Lord. person to be divorced under the law before it was repealed in 1905. Oh, so that's convenient. Yeah. Well, at a least the lady is- got away from him. Unless, yeah, unless he, she was still like in the I asylum. Know. I don't know. God. A spouse's mental incapacity was later restored by the legislature as a grounds for disillusion of marriage and remains a law of Florida's day. So it's still, it, it, they let it go, but they brought it back. Anyway. Oh, that's nice. That's a little thing. That's part of what Broward was up to. He helped out his friend Flagler. The most important law Broward supported was the primary election law. Broward had a long had long supported a primary election system to replace the state's convention system, which was controlled by a small clique head, headed by Flagler. So again, we've talked about right. this before. You go to this convention, people are yes. nominated right from the floor. People don't elect them. It's not a, there's no primary like what we're yes. in the middle of right now. Um, or three, a few weeks ago. Yeah, a few weeks ago. <laughs> so a strong law was drawn up in the House, which Broward enthusiastically supported. But after the state Senate weakened the bill substantially, he withdrew his support. The bill passed anyway. Broward was not naive when it came to politics. As, as a straight out and supporter of the common man, Broward naturally opposed Flagler's control of the party nominating system in the state. It tended to produce Democratic candidates from the anti-faction. As Florida had dis. As, as Florida had disfranchised, disenfranchised most blacks and was essentially a one-party system, anti-control of the party nominating system effectively meant anti-control of the state government. Broward was smart enough to sponsor Flagler's requested divorce bill, but still wanted to pull power from him. Right? Okay. Broward did not run for the House again in 1902 because he was busy with the salvage operation and the Keys. During the summer of 1903, he decided to run for the governorship. He had been approached numerous times during the spring and the summer about running for office. As the party had was hard-pressed to find another liberal candidate. He agreed to do so. Liberal to them is yes. not what liberal is. I know. I'm like, <laughs> so, so nuts. Broward was never was never wealthy and, in fact, frequently found himself in debt for one reason or another. Maybe the nine kids. 
I don't Maybe. know. The liberal forces in the state did not have great financial backing, while the conservative forces controlled most of the state money, and or sorry, most of the money, and most of the newspapers in the state, as well as the major cities. Broward said of his chances, quote, I don't intend to go after the cities. Their newspapers are against me, and they don't take me seriously. But I'm going to stump every crossroads village between Fernadina and Pensacola mm. and talk to the farmers and the crackers and show them their top ends were meant to be used for something better than hat racks. I'm going to make them sit up and think that won't mind they won't mind mistakes and grammar if they find i'm talking horse sense end quote okay so he's going after the cattle ranchers and he's all of the all of the guys working the state yes yeah broward began campaigning immediately his stronger strongest opponent was robert w davis the railroad candidate which is of course the flagler guy right Mm -hmm. two other candidates presented smaller threats broward hit davis early and throughout the election for being a railroad man Davis and the city newspapers generally generally derided Broward as a liberal whose time had passed and an idiot. <laughs> the greatest issue in the campaign was the Everglades drainage, a program first examined by the sitting governor, William S. Jennings. Broward came out strongly in favor of the drainage, calling the ground, are you ready? Oh, God. The fabulous muck. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's us. That's not. <laughs> that's right. I saw oh. that and I was like, oh, my God, I love it so much. But so yeah, the this wrong- is yeah, but yeah. this is this is horrible. Gonna, we are going to get into this. Oh we are going God. to get into this. Okay. So while campaigning, he carried an elevation map of the various parts of the glades. If Broward found that he was losing an argument over drainage, he would point to his map and say, "The water will run downhill." <laughs> There's no hills oh, in Florida. God. But, okay. but this would appeal to those ranchers, yes, because they yes. when they're moving their cattle, because they would move their cattle across to like different areas to, to ports and like these little edge cities they got to go through the everglades and go around and then yes. people are, are putting up land was, and they couldn't go this way so yes. you're draining that and you're allowing yes. more movement but it's destroying that's right and they're not you know forget forget about you know the seminal tribe oh yeah you which know. is where they were living. right where they're well they, got they were pushed. pushed they got pushed that's so. right that's right Ooh, that should be an i'm gonna write i gotta send oh. myself an email that's another great uh, story to do. Okay. Yeah, I have that on my list. You too. do? <laughs> All right. Davis and Broward easily moved ahead into the second primary, and the campaign grew fiercer with Davis at one point saying, quote, Mr. Broward is a man of but little ability and no intellectual brilliance whatsoever, end quote. <laughs> Broward used Davis's congressional record to repeatedly attack his voting in support of the, his railroad ties. Broward appealed to few ver- few urban voters and no business interests, while Davis could not win support among farmers or rural voters. On election day, Broward's rural voters gave him the primary victory by only 600 votes out of 45,000. Yeah. In the whole area, right? Yeah. The general election some weeks later was uneventful, and Broward was inaugurated on January 3rd, 1905. So, our Governor Broward. Oh, God. Got a picture of the inauguration. It's kind of like grainy, but it's still like an awesome picture. As Governor Broward's biggest push as governor was for drainage of the Everglades, then considered useless swamp, as people did not understand its ecology or relation to water table and the habitat. Early in in his term, Broward was attacked often and by many different people for his drainage program and for the land tax he instituted to pay for it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. One newspaper noted the treasury will be drained before the Everglades. (laughs) (laughs) 
as drainage progressed. So I don't, I don't know. Do we have to talk about the Everglades? I mean, I, I kind of feel yeah. like I say these things on yes. here and I'm like, have I not expanded? So if you don't know what the Everglades are, please Google it. But the Everglades are... It's our swamp. It's our swamp. It's in the middle of Florida. It's a really important ecological... Yes. Uh, <laughs> place and the water flow is important yes. and uh the the creatures that live there all the animals and it's just a everything it needs to be preserved it does and so and we what we did was horrible and what still happens today i still feel like we're inching our way we're into encroaching and encroaching yes in a way that's not good for it no um and a lot of people fought for a long time to protect it so it has some protection river of grass yes so uh marjorie stoneman douglas yes so there's a lot of people who have fought for a long time, but if they're not really, it's not as protected as, as it should be. They want to drill oil for oil there like yeah. now. So yes. that's part of the yes. reason why it's a problem. <laughs> there's still things happening. That we have to still vote against yes, all but the time. <laughs> before they, so the whole reason to drain uh, it is so that they could build out there. They could yes. put a, There's a road that goes through it now to the other yes, side of the state. Is. I mean, it's a, it's scary on that road. <laughs> it's scary on that road. But there's so many animals. There's Florida panthers that live there. Again, we mentioned the Seminole Indians that live there. I mean, it's a it's not a, a place where nothing is happening. It's a real no. it's a real place. Yes, um, and it's a national park. Yes, Everglades is a national park. So. As drainage pro- progressed, Broward began taking its, his fiercest opponents for ocular displays in the glades, showing them the work that had been done and how it was progressing. John Beard, one of Broward's most effective opponents, was eventually convinced by one of these trips that the land was fertile and that drainage was working. So I think they needed they wanted to do uh, farming out there. Yeah, well, I mean, the industries in Florida, like the orange groves, mm-hmm. you know, people were making a ton of money late 1800s, yeah. early 1900s with that. So they probably were thinking, like, where can we expand right. our cattle and our and our orange grove? Like that kind of, that was sort of early Florida industry mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Broward gained national prominence through his massive for, through this massive program. As his administration progressed, Broward became more involved with legislators and officials in Washington, gaining federal funds for his drainage project. Eventually, he brought President Teddy Roosevelt down to the Glades for a trip through the drainage areas. Roosevelt was an avid supporter of drainage and became an important advocate for the program. Decades later, <laughs> environmental groups would decry the draining as as one of the world's greatest environmental catastrophes claiming that it swallowed Florida's natural beauty, ruined a great drainage and filtering system, yes. and forever altered water the supply. area's rain-making machine. I, I thought you maybe you would understand this more than me, though, because it does have a natural drainage and filtering system. So, like, what was going on? The water would go out to the ocean and the ocean water. Like, what was, do you know? That I don't know, but we also have, like, Lake Okeechobee, yeah. which is our primary water source. Right. And so I think when they did all the... The digging in the canals, like yes. it, it disrupted everything. It disrupted it all. Yeah. Broward tackled other problems as well. He worked to emphasize education and upgrade the state universities. His appointees assessed them as not offering much beyond the high school level. Broward helped guide the reorganization bill through the legislature that closed some of the schools and set up a commission to determine where the, the remaining schools should be located. A fight ensued and where to locate the major state university, which at the time was in Lake City. The control board, uh, consisting of Broward and the cabinet, eventually selected Gainesville as the new site for the flagship state university. Residents in both cities complained that the city commission members had been bought off. 
Um, Broward introduced a bill to the legislature in 1905 directing the state to provide life insurance for its citizens and setting up an insurance commission and a cabinet-level post to go along with the program. Hmm. The legislature voted down the bill with yeah. little debate. I know. Like, <laughs> that sounds kind of cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, Broward supported measures to create a state textbook commission, reform the state hospital system, regulate the accounting profession, and make the state's railroad commission permanent. In December 1907, U.S. Senator Stephen R. Mallory Jr. died suddenly. Broward appointed William James Bryan, Mallory's campaign manager, and already a candidate for the seat to fill the vacancy. Newspapers criticized his selection of Bryan's, then only 31. The Tampa Tribune wrote, If Mr. Bryan had given any symptoms of being worthy of this distinction, then we are utterly at a loss to know it. It must be a weighty secret hidden in the governor's brain. God, I love these these old newspapers always come cut. Yes, with a the good, shade, yes, it's the so shade. Good. It's so good. In February 1908, Senator Bryan con- contracted typhoid typhoid fever and died in March, shocking the state. Broward appointed William Hall Milton to the post. Milton pledged not to run for the seat in November, and Broward soon announced that he was going to be the candidate. So now we know why he put the other guy up there, oh, right? Oh God. He was roundly criticized for this, but took took to the stump against his opponents. Among them, his old adversary, John Beard, and a, a former political ally, Jacksonville Mayor Duncan, Duncan Fletcher. Beard and Fletcher attacked Broward throughout the campaign, but the former governor prevailed in the first primary and entered the second primary campaign against Fletcher. Broward's friend, John Stockton, advanced the second primary in the governor's race against General Albert Gilcrest of Fort Myers. Fletcher was an old liberal, and though now more conservative than Broward, the two men still agreed on many things. Gilcrest was much feared as a railroad man. Broward campaigned as much for Stockton as for governor as he did for himself. Broward and Stockton both lost. Ooh. Newspapers statewide loudly proclaimed the end of the Broward era, and the Everglades drainage project seemed doomed, but Broward was not through. Oh, God, Broward. <laughs> In 1910, I love that. Broward was not through. That's how I yes. feel. Like, we're going to make it through this. Uh Broward the county, not the guy. Yes. Go- not the guy. Yes. <laughs> In the- <laughs> Not the guy. This guy is upsetting. (laughs) In 1910, James Talaferro's Senate seat was up for election. Oh, come on, Broward. Big city newspapers endorsed Talaferro for re-election, but Broward soon entered the race against him. The race, expected to be an exciting showdown, proved to be such a bore that election news was pushed off the front page by covering of Haley's the coverage of Haley's Comet. I mean, well, Haley's (laughs) Comet must have been exciting back then. Yes. I mean, what else are you doing? I know. <laughs> what no. are you doing? I don't know. Broward uh. and Talaferro entered the second primary after a quiet election. The second primary campaign proved scarcely more interesting, though Broward took to the stump traveling throughout the state, and Broward pulled out a victory. Exhausted by the campaign, Broward retired with his family to the beach at, at Fort George. Late in September, Broward became ill with gallstones, which he had been, which had been a concern for some months, though Broward had been too busy for surgery. Oh, no. He was in the hospital for a few days and died just before he was to enter surgery. He was buried on October 4th. He was 53 years old. Oh, God. You know, I felt like he was much older because he's yeah. done so much. He started early. Yeah. Dang. 53. The Florida Times Union wrote, quote, Today there are thousands who, like the Times Union, Union, always oppose the big man so recently crowned with laurel and now clothed in a shroud, who seen so clearly the qualities that all admired that past differences refused to intrude and the opponent craves a place among the mourners. 
Wow, very poetic. Mm. Broward is one of the few Florida politicians to have achieved achieved lasting national recognition. As recently as the 1950s, Florida's, Floridians still refer to the Broward era and to Browardism remarkably has his remarkable staying power in a state that has changed so mu- as much and so quickly. Okay, so, you know. Broward County. Broward. Let me hear it. So here's what, we, what came out in 2017. In September 2017, an excerpt of a forgotten document that Broward wrote during his term as governor and may have been delivered as a speech. Oh, God. We don't know. He called on Congress to, quote, purchase territory, either domestic or foreign, and provide means to purchase the property of the Negroes <gasps> at a reasonable price and to transport them to the territory purchased by the United States. Whites would not be allowed to live in the new nation, <gasps> and blacks would not be allowed to return to live, <gasps> in the United, to live in the United States. I'm not done. Hold on. Quote, the white people have no time to make excuses for the shortcomings of the Negroes, <gasps> he said. And the Negro has less inclination to work for one and be directed by one oh he considers exacting to the extent that he must do a good day's work or pay for the bill of goods sold to him, end quote. When are we starting the petition to change the name of the county? <sighs> Change.org? Mm-hmm. We go on it today? These remarks prompted a series of voices to call for removal of the, Brow- of the statue of Broward from the Broward County Courthouse. Yeah. County mayor at the time, Barbara Sharif, she's now a commissioner. The mayor of the county, it rolls over. Right now it's Dale Holness. Yes. But at the time it was Barbara Sharif. She's still a commissioner. She said, quote, she would be open to discussion about renaming the county if it's what people want to do. Although she said shortly afterwards that, quote, we're not considering that at this time and I don't even want to go down that road. Why? Because it's not even kidding. She said that, like, you know, letterhead and stuff would be hard to change. (laughs) Yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, we don't even have that. We have Broward Boulevard, Broward County. Like there's no, that, no, it's a lot. It would be, it would be a, a lot, but you know, look, what, what, why not little by little? Why not be like the little tugboat? Yeah. The little Broward tugboat. The three friends. And, and just a little at a time make the changes. Yeah. The statue was removed during the night of October 18th through the 19th, uh, 2017 and placed in storage. Like, I don't know, just dump that. I don't. How about we dump it in the fucking ocean? I, I don't even remember hearing about this. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago either. No, I don't remember hearing about this. You know this why? Because all. 2017, we were in a fucking oh, daze. yes. Well, we were doing a lot of other work. Yes. Um, but I don't remember this being in the Sun Sentinel. So there's also been discussion to change the name of Broward County. The county originally was going to be called Everglades County when it was formed in 1915. But the Speaker of the Florida House pushed through a change to honor Broward, who had just died five years earlier. In most re- recent years, there have been efforts by some business leaders to rename the county Lauderdale County or Fort Lauderdale County to improve its name recognition. And this is what they did in Miami-Dade. So yeah. it used to be Dade County. Yes. But they changed it to Miami-Dade County. So, and it, it does, it uplet, you know, yes. for tourism and everything, like people well, go and, to Miami-Dade. Yes. And most people, when they think of Florida, they think of Miami. Yes. Orlando and the or, Keys. Like Fort those Lauderdale. Are, but I feel, what? no, what, when people come, I guess I'm thinking of people when they're coming, like, from, like, overseas, like, it's mm-hmm. Miami, like, they think Miami, like, when they think South Florida, they think Miami. Yeah, so that was smart. Yeah. Why can't we do that here? Yeah, I feel like that would be an easy change. Yeah. 
I mean, I get it, but they probably bought, you know, who knows how many boxes of letterhead that they have sitting around. Mm. You know, I understand that, like, you know, when you, you, you're purchasing all of that stuff, you're getting cases and it's already on the letterhead. But I feel like today that that letterhead is probably like an, a, a template on the computer and that you're printing, you're not directly printing onto, right. like back in the day, like right. now you could print it yeah, from right it and out. use that template. I think it'd be a great way to even promote the county. Yeah, You'd have a contest yes. of like a new logo oh and someone God. can draw it. Someone of color, an artist yes. of color to replace his racist fucking name. And even the street name. Well, how many street names? Is this Broward Boulevard? Yeah, that's true. Broward County Courthouse. Like then, the, yeah, yeah, they no, would have to name. No, all of these things have to change. Yeah. Bye. Bye. I feel like little by little. Yeah, why not? Who do we talk to? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I feel like this is something that we can make happen. And again, it might be something that takes time, but mm-hmm. like enact a, a plan, a phasing. Yeah. You know? But Tina, we had so, you know, the Vice Mayor Sabrina Javiana on here. Broward County is stalling on changing Dixie Highway. Yes. Could you imagine how well, long it's going to take this oh, commission yeah, to actually change the name? They couldn't figure out a name. Well, what are we going to do? Everglades County, that sounds good to me. Fine. Yeah. Promote the Everglades. Lauderdale yeah. County? Great. Everglades County, though, I feel like doesn't work for Broward anymore because I feel so removed from the Everglades. Mm. Yeah, but that's because we live so east. Yeah. You know? You, you go west. That's true. You run right into that fucking. And no, no, I know because <laughs> I used to, I used to work where I'd drive all the way. Oh my god! Pretty much straight to the the glades. Yeah. God, I remember when, even in the nineties, like it wasn't as. I mean, they have pushed further, further west. Yeah. Listen, I it's I'm wild. sorry, but it's I don't wild. understand how people live that close to the Everglades. Yeah, the First of all, alligators yeah. knock at your door every second. I mean, God, they talk about pets getting eaten by the alligators. Yes. No. No, no thanks. And then they're surprised. Well, you live, you, you, you're in their house. I guess uh, my, my in-laws live on the other side of, of uh, 75, which is the highway that goes through the Everglades. Yes. Every time we're driving through, I always say to my husband, I feel so guilty. Yes. Because we should not be on this road. Like, <laughs> we're not supposed to be driving through the Everglades. No. They built a highway through it. I know. <laughs> fuck. Because we're, we're horrible. We're yeah. horrible. Horrible humans. Oh. I think that we should, this, this needs to come back up. Maybe after this election cycle, mm-hmm. this is something that can be brought back up to, because there'll be a lot of new people, hopefully, that it's something that maybe can be um, brought back up and, and as a real discussion. Yeah. Hold on, I'm looking at, um, there's a, you can visit the Seminole tribe. They have a um, visiting, a visitor center you can do swamp tours, of course, like the yes. Billy the Billy Swamp Safari, but they actually have a visitor center. It is so amazing. They have all of their, we took the kids there a couple of years ago, and you have to go out, all of course, all the way out to the Everglades, yes. and then you go inland, and uh, uh, you can, they have on display all of the costumes, the hand beating. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. And then you can walk through, you know, a, a walkway through the and Everglades. The and see there. Yes, yeah. it's so yeah. cool. I know. It's a shame. It's a shame what we've done. Anyway, that's uh, racist Broward. And now ever since doing this story, like reading about this guy, I was I would say Broward. I keep saying Broward because we talk yes. about Broward all the time and the election that's yes. happening and everything. And I keep going Broward state attorney, Broward public defender. And yes. I'm like, fuck this fucking name Broward. I can't yes. get away from it now. I cannot get away from it. Yes. Broward but, public schools. Like I'm yes. in it. Like I'm in the Broward everything. The, yeah, this is where we are. And I think that we can make a change. I don't know how. We have to find a way. There might be a petition. I, I, I'm, I bet you there's a petition. I think there probably is. 
I we, don't know how many people have to sign it. And you got to imagine if it was so hard to change Dixie. Yeah, but you how know much what? pushback are they going to get to oh, change well. the name of the county? <laughs> how annoying is it going to be? Uh, to constantly hear from constituents that they hate the name. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Things like this don't seem to really like uh, take precedent during a pandemic. Let's see. Petition calls to change Broward County's name. And yeah. this is, oh, this came out in Ju- June of 2020. Okay. A change dot. So guys, there is a change.org petition. We should all sign it. It's gained nearly 1,200 signatures and it needs at least 1,500 that's it? Yes. There's, there's 1.9 million people living in this county. And it says, Kyle Hill, who started the change.org petition, this is coming from a Tampa Bay uh, 10 article, says the county should be renamed to, quote, something that is more reflective of the area's Native American roots or of the current vibrant and diverse community that Broward County has become. Yes. yes bitch. Kyle we're going to put Hill? this. We're going to put What's the. What's his name? Kyle Hill? Yes. yes. We're going to put this petition on our notes so that you guys can go sign it. Yes. Woo! Okay. Very good, Tina. Very good, Hillary. That was a great story. <laughs> I never knew anything I knew about... He was, I knew he was a racist. I knew that. I just didn't know that those were the things that he said. Well, I didn't, and I didn't, I didn't realize about- the elected... I, I really didn't know. I mean, this is... I would love to see a name change. Yeah, that would be nice. You know, like start stripping all of this bad and stuff. I, that I really, bad, it's these bad vibes. I know. And I apologize to anybody listening who lives here and to you because now every time you say Broward, it's going to be in the yeah, You're going to think, think about it. It's so ugly. Insane. It's gross. Yeah. But he also was of that time, right? Like, like that can't be unexpected. You know, he was one of these Southern Democrats. He's a yeah. straight out, whatever the fuck. Yeah. But like, of course he's racist. Of course. Right. But I feel like... They should have proposed a name change much earlier than now. Oh, absolutely. You know, let's sign the petition, people. <laughs> yeah. Are you watching anything? I'm not. I'm Well, I'm still watching that, that Bridget Naiman Irish. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, there's one episode. This takes place in the 80s, and there's one episode where um, the, the, uh, the Irish, you know, uh, what is the group? Oh my God, IRA? the IRA comes in and is and it IRA? Irish Republican? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah okay, yes. so um, they come in and they're they're in. So it's based. The whole episode is is playing off of old eighties movies, Dirty Dancing, Point, uh, yeah, yeah, Point, Point. What is it? Point Break. Yeah, up with Patrick Swayze and all of these TV shows, and they come in and they got the the Reagan masks on. Yeah. But when you hear the guy talk, you like, no, it's this one guy the, who always plays the IRA guy, and he shoots their TV, <laughs> and then they're like, and, and they make them through the whole episode. They have the guns on them, and they're like, well, what are we gonna watch on TV tonight? And it's like Golden Girls, and so they're dressing up and they're doing these episodes, <laughs> and then it's like Knight Rider. It's so stupid funny <laughs> watching them trying to change into like the different shows but they're still acting like themselves and insulting one another it's really really good and they're like isn't it funny when there's two shows on at the same time and then you got to pick one of them and so they have to switch back and forth like very quickly between like the two episodes and and, and it's just ridiculous it's it's there is no rhyme or re- reason to the show there's no plot it's just this <laughs> pig misogynist husband and his crazy wife and it just is so funny oh my god it is ridiculously funny so i enjoyed that episode and nice. i'm still listening to my talking sopranos oh, oh my god i love, I love show. It. it 
the the podcast is so good. I was listening to it on the way over here. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh my god! So, and that's it. That's all I've been doing because I feel like I don't. I don't have time for anything else. I know. And I've been dealing. I have these crazy, you know, neck pain, mm. migraine things. So just trying to deal with that. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a crazy week. And again, I know I'm dating myself, but it's like the primaries on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm going to make some phone calls when I. I have so many things to do this week. School starts this week. (sighs) Not fun. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be incredibly stressful. Yes. And of course, work still is going on. So you still have like a million other things happening besides school starting. Work, volunteer, kids stuff. Kids, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. I don't think my kids realize what they are in store for for this new school year. They have no idea. They have, And I I keep trying to explain to them that it's not going to be like it was uh, in the spring, and I don't think they quite get it. Are yours going to be online all day? It's online. Is it all day? It's not all day. Um, I want to say it's till 12, 15, or 12, 30. Mm-hmm. But they do have to move between sessions. So it's going to be, you know, here's the main class, and now you're going to, like, reading group A or activity group A, mm-hmm. and they have to know where to click and where to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, my older son I know will be fine, but my younger mm-hmm. – because he's got like the dyslexia, he's got all these other learning issues that I'm worried that he's going to struggle navigating and knowing where he's supposed to be every time. Yeah. And I'm working and my husband is working from home, Mm. um, but he will be in his own classes. So I don't know how, I don't know how this is going to go. It's going to be very challenging. We're just going to go day by day. Yeah. And we got a new touch screen. Hmm. For my younger, okay. so that he has the keyboard, but he also can use it, the screen, like a tablet. Yeah. And I feel like that would be easier for him to navigate. Yes. Then have to put the mouse on it. Yes. So my daughter starting middle school, and so she has to change classes every hour. Yes. Which is, so. I, I, so she's going to have to click the different links. Yeah. Yeah. So we also, we got her a, like a little tiny laptop because she has a tablet, but it's like a Kindle. That's yes. not a fucking laptop. No. It's, I mean, it's not a, it's not a tablet. It's like no. for games. And uh, so we got her a little laptop because I think she needs that more than. Yeah. Cause then she could type out her assignments. Yes. And do, yeah. Yes. Oh, the expenses of everything. Yeah. My husband's like, I can't believe we have to do this. And I'm like, well, he, you know, our son's going to use my laptop at yes, my office. That's how we're doing it. And he, she can use this and she can still do the work. And I mean, I don't, but th- isn't it an investment right now? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like this is a tool she needs for school. Yes. I told her there's no videos. It. There's no games on here. This is for school period. Yes. You have your tablet for your, to watch Netflix and play games. This is a tool for school, like a pencil. Yes. That's it. Do oh. not. All right, well, I will see you next week. Good luck this week. Yes, yeah, same. Oh, my God. And election. Oh, I hope I hope we're happy on next time we see each so other. The, so I'm doing a live stream with uh, our wonderful friend Alfredo on Tuesday night, like live results streaming oh God. on Zoom to Facebook. And I will be drinking. I will be at a... Um, screaming or crying, depending on what the results are. I will be at a small gathering... For this campaign that I've been helping, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's a good. Yeah, I'm hoping. P it's the a fuck good. to s, fucking barefoot Lobo, our oh, number one dream my bot. God. I love this guy so yes, fucking much. Yes, Nathan. What? No, 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 real names. I want barefoot Lobo. Only. Okay, he fucking volunteered. 
Yes. For, for Sarah Leonardi's she campaign. She did. Was running for, for, for the yes. uh, C3 of the Brown County School Board. Yes. It oh was my so lovely. God. It was I saw so these lovely. pictures and I'm like, all these worlds are colliding. Yes. This is so fucking wild. But I was so excited. Thank you. Like, my God, to volunteer for a campaign, yes. like what you're doing and, and the fact that he was out there and with his daughter. It was so fucking cool, man. Yes. I, 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 I brought my son. We were out yesterday for a few hours. My son loves it. He, you know, today he's like, are we going again? And I said, well, no, today I got to do phone calls. And he was so, uh, he, he came in my room dressed. He had Sarah Lee and Artie shirt on, like ready Amazing. to go. Amazing. Ready to go. And I was like, oh, and he was so bummed out. And I was like, it's okay. I said, you know, we have, we have other campaigns coming up in the Biden campaign. Oh, well, I mean. Come, no, but he, he wants, he, he's. We he, don't need to go promote that campaign. We, yes, we do. <laughs> Kamala, come on. Yeah. Is there a Kamala shirt, though? That's what I know. No, they have shirts out. With just her stuff on it? Um, <laughs> I'm waiting for an MVP shirt. I But they need to make the MVP. Yeah. Adam, vice president. I would wear it. I would just wear MVP everywhere I went if oh, they made that shirt. I just want the November election to be here and over and, like, let's move forward. Let's well, go. Well, I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's close. I know. I know. It's close. I'm so worried. I know. We're like, what, 10 weeks away, nine weeks away? I mean, it's really uh, not. Uh, it's scary. It's really scary. Oh, God. All right. All right. We've blathered enough. I know. I will see you next week. Okay. Bye. bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty. Coming up next week on the Muck Podcast. Have said that they are supporting Mr. Fraunfelter, who announced who is who he beat uh, in the primary on Tuesday. That he that would he would run as a write-in candidate in the general election against Aaron Coleman. Lauren Fitzgerald, the spokeswoman for the governor, said, "Quote: Aaron Coleman is not fit to serve in the legislature." End quote. It was all of these together. It ran the gamut of human emotions. Its velocity was breathtaking, and it was all in one direction. Interjections from the target were rare. Johnson anticipated them before they could be spoken. He moved in close, his face a scant millimeter from his target, his eyes widening and narrowing, his eyebrows rising and falling.